In Genesis chapter 4, the, the text I'm going to look at, I won't read it all at one time, in part because I'm going to assume many of you, if not all of you, have heard this story before. It's of the first murder in the Bible, Cain and Abel. It's the first 14 verses of Genesis chapter 4. We will look at most of those verses. But um, the, the arc of the story, in case anybody is here that hasn't heard that before, but I, I want to make sure you're not in the dark. Uh, essentially, there's a first man, first woman, Adam and Eve, and they sin in Genesis chapter 3. And sin comes into the world. And then in Genesis chapter 4, you'll see, in fact, in verse 1, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Kind of a, a beautiful beginning there. Say, I got a baby. And it's that baby. It's not just that I've gotten a baby, but I've got one that she believed that might be the promised one. They've been promised one in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 that would crush the head of the serpent. And they thought maybe this was the one. So it's a good beginning there. But then, of course, right after that, uh, Cain and Abel, they, Cain has a brother named Abel, they, they get into a little row, and uh, Cain kills Abel. And then that's the first time that there's murder. There's someone that kills someone else in the Bible. So that's the arc of the story. But what I want to zero in on here is this idea that there is nobody, and I bet you there's not a person in this room that likes to be corrected. Now, if you like to be corrected, maybe you should let us know who you are so we can correct you all the time. <laughs> I do not like to be corrected. I do not like it at all. If nothing else, it's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. I mean, sometimes because it feels like I'm supposed to know all this stuff, and then somebody's got to come and tell me something. What in the world? And the worst, the worst is when Vanessa comes and she says, Matthew, would you stop saying that, doing that, whatever it is? And then, I, I, oh my goodness, I'm like a little dog, my hair on the back of my hair, my neck, just, just oh, I don't like that. Now again, I, I told you, I know what I'm talking about, because I feel it. I'm assuming some of y'all are like that too, maybe not as bad as I am, I'm going to give you a break and say you're not as bad as I am, but nonetheless, we, we, it's embarrassing, it's a strike to our ego, it makes us feel like we, we're stupid. I mean, again, I get all these ideas in my head, like I must be, they must think I'm a dummy, because I didn't know any better than that. That's the stuff that comes in my mind. But it also, don't forget that those corrections may exactly be what is necessary to keep us from further harm and damage. Uh, just some, a few examples to get my point across to you. You know, I don't know if anybody likes to see those blue lights in the rearview mirror, and you know you're the one that they're pulling over. Nobody likes that. You don't want to be that person. But you do know that if you keep doing what you've been doing, which is going 20, 30, 50 miles over the speed limit, Eli, um, <laughs> You're going to have a wreck. You're going to hurt somebody. If you don't hurt yourself, you're going to hurt somebody, right? I mean, that's, we actually at least ought to acknowledge that it's appreciated. These guys keep us safe on the road. I mean, I know I don't like the ticket. I don't like to get the slowed down, but it is. This, this afternoon, we got to get together with our family. Uh, my older son was with us, and my daughter was with us, and Eli, and of course, Jude's with us. We got to get everybody together, and we had a good meal, good meal. And um, my stomach was correcting me a little bit this afternoon. But just a little bit of indigestion saying, Matthew, you might need to stop that. <laughs> and I ought to know I ought to stop that because this thing is getting a little tighter to, to snuggle up. But your stomach is correcting you. And I don't like it. I hate the way it feels. But it's a reminder, Matthew, just quit eating so much. It's, 
when that boss corrects you for being late to work, when that coach corrects you because your performance isn't what it needs to be, that he may sit you on the bench. And those are all, we don't like the feeling. I don't like the correction, but it's helpful to get us in the right spot if we'll actually listen to it. Because we actually have at that moment these two responses that can happen. Response number one is we can listen and we can learn. We can say, yes, sir, officer, I was going too fast and I better slow down. Yes, stomach, I better quit eating so much. Or I'm going to get even fatter than I already am. I, we need to, we could listen, we could learn from that correction, or we can do what Matthew normally does, and we can ball up, and we can get mad, and we can start fussing at whoever. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he won't let me do that. I can't believe it. They're, they're, they're stupid. Right? Again, y'all don't have, you can say ouch if you need to, but whatever you got to say, but, but you know that I'm right, that that's one response you can have. You can either listen and learn, or you could say, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. That is exactly what happens in this story of Cain and Abel. Cain, as I told you, he, he does ultimately kill his brother. So obviously, I can tell you what the outcome was. Y'all know what his outcome was. He didn't listen. He didn't learn. He just made things worse. He didn't listen. He didn't learn. So what exactly went wrong between Cain and Abel? I want, I want to give you that frame of mind that Cain, he's responding to correction. But let's see what leads up to this need for correction. Uh, start there. Um, you saw in verse 1 that uh, Adam and Eve have a son named Cain. Verse 2, they have a son named Abel. And Abel, it says in verse 2, was a keeper of the sheep. And then Cain was a tiller of the ground. So you've got these two boys. One is a shepherd and one's a farmer. That's what they're doing. There's nothing good or bad. It's just what they're supposed to do. God put people on this earth to work. That's what these men are doing. They're taking and using the skills God have given them to do a good, valuable work. So that's what's happening in verse 2. In verse 3, it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Verse 4, Now Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And it says in the last part, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. This whole thing gets set off because these two men offering a sacrifice to the Lord, they're praising God, they're offering an offering to God, and God says, I like Abel's, I don't like Cain's. And Cain Cain is offering an offering here in verse, in verse 3 of the fruit of the ground. I want to at least acknowledge, this is a little bit of a side point, but I think it's important to note this, that the sacrifice was not the problem. In fact, if you go later on in the law, there is, there's a place in the law that there is a grain offering. It is not uncommon for God to say, it's good to give me of the fruit of the ground. That's not a bad thing. That's not wrong. He's not sinning by doing that. Well, why is he sinning? Why is God not happy with this? Well, look at the attitude of Cain. Look at the difference between verse 3 and verse 4. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. Now, now you may say, well, I, that doesn't, what are you talking about? He just brought, he, 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 had a, he had a harvest, and he brought some of that harvest to the Lord. That's all he did. Now, look at what Abel does. This is in verse 4. He brings of the firstlings of his flock, he gets the first fruits of the flock and of the fat thereof. Let me boil this down for you. Abel went and got the best of the best, and he said, that's going to be God's. 
Cain, on the other hand, said, I got all this. Let me just get a little load off the top here and just give it to the Lord. That's all. He, his attitude was more flippant. His attitude was, I'm not going to give God the best. By the way, God will not take leftovers. He doesn't want your pity. He doesn't need your leftovers. He do, all he, what he wants is the best. He wants the first place. He deserves the first place in our lives. That's what he deserves, and he's not going to take it. And by the way, if you don't believe me, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but go to Acts chapter 5. There's a man and a woman named Ananias and Sapphira. They bring something to the Lord. It's a great offering, but they are acting like they're doing everybody a favor. And God says, I know you didn't give all that, you, that you're saying. You're lying about this. And he knocks them dead. The point of that is that God doesn't need our pity. He doesn't need our leftovers. And here's Cain basically saying, well, I'll just give a little bit to God, like a little tip little extra on the bill and we'll be done with it and God's not happy with it because the attitude of his heart isn't right that's where the sin begins it's in his heart it's his attitude and Cain in verse 5 says he was wroth or he was angry and his countenance fell he was mad and you could tell it by looking at him you could look on his face and say he was mad so why is he mad he is mad because God wouldn't accept his offering and he escalates this anger from being mad at God to all the way in verse 8. It says, when he talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He starts being mad at God. He's sinning because in his heart he doesn't want to give God the best. He just wants to give him some leftovers. God doesn't like that. He gets mad at God, and because he's mad at God, he then goes and takes it out on his brother Abel. That's the whole problem here is it escalates. And by the way, this is what sin does. Sin never is the one thing. There's no such thing as I'm just going to sin this one time and I'm done. It never happens. It never has happened. It never will happen. You sin one time, it leads to the next sin. It leads to the next sin. And it leads to the next sin. And before you know it, you have been eat up with this sin and you can't get out of it to save your life. That's what sin does. It overwhelms us, and that's exactly what God, or what, rather what, what Cain, happens to Cain here. But now I want you to notice this, that here in verse 5, Cain is very angry. His countenance has fallen. He's upset. You could just look at him and tell. And then in verse 6, the Lord asks Cain the question. He says, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? He's saying, Cain... Why are you mad? What's, it, what's wrong? He even, I like the way that God asked a similar question to Jonah. He says, basically, are you right to be angry? Are, are, is, this, is, this the right, is this the right response, Cain? Are you, are you not paying attention to what's going on? In fact, he goes on to say in verse 7, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? He is saying, listen, pay attention here. I'm not accepting your offering. What's the problem? It's not me. I'm God. There's a problem with your sacrifice, the way you're doing your sacrifice, the attitude of your heart. There's a sin there. In fact, I want you to see this about God, not only here, but I think there's a bigger principle. God is not being mean. When he points out the sin, when he in his scripture says, this is right and this is wrong, you should do this, you shouldn't do this, this is not God being mean. This is the most loving thing he can do is to tell you. By the way, God has no responsibility to tell us what's right and wrong. He could let us walk around in the dark and knock ourselves out if, we, if he wanted to. But in his love, he's pointing out to Cain, listen, I'm dissatisfied with your sacrifice. That might want to tell you something. 
He says, if, if, if you were giving me the right thing, don't you think I would have accepted it? Pay attention, man. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a warning. He goes on to say, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And he says, listen, don't you understand that if you're missing the mark and I'm not accepting your sacrifice, there's something else that's going to happen. You might want to pay attention. I want you to see in this that, that God is warning Cain. He is warning him. He said, listen, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, if you don't respond to what I'm saying, it's going to get worse. It's going to get harder. It's actually going to get worse. And he's specifically warning him of three things. Let me give you these very quickly, these three things. He's, first of all, in verse 7, he is warning that sin is going to pounce on him unexpectedly. Look in verse 7 where he says, If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. The picture that should be in your mind is if you've ever... <laughs> None of y'all have ever done this, but if you ever pull a prank on somebody and you're kind of hiding in the bushes and then they're walking by and you, I jumped out and you just want to scare them to death. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody, nobody in here knows what I'm talking about because y'all never done anything like that. I got one, one honest man in the, in the congregation. Okay. So, so, but, but you know what I'm saying? You sort of, you're sneaking up on somebody and you, whoo, I got you. That, that's what he's got in mind here when he says sin lieth at the door. Because sin is deceptive. Sin sort of sneaks up on you. It, it sort of sneaks up on you. Think about it this way. Here's Cain. He's saying, God didn't accept my sacrifice. And Cain feels justified in his anger. He thinks he's right. What is wrong with God that he wouldn't accept my sacrifice? What is wrong with God? God, you're not paying attention. I'm doing everything right. This is his attitude. Because what God is saying is saying, listen, hang on a minute, Cain. You think you're right, but sin is hiding in your self-justification. You're sitting there trying to justify yourself, but missing the fact that you're wrong all the way down to your bones. You're wrong, wrong, wrong. Pay attention. Because sin is deceptive. It gets up on us. The best way I can describe this to you is sin is so deceptive because it is inside of you. I don't, know, I don't know what you're tempted to do. We're all tempted in different ways. At least I think you should know that. We are all tempted differently. But I have never been tempted to do something I did not want to do. The temptation that I am tempted towards are the things that my heart desires. And that's why it's so deceptive. Because I don't know about y'all, but I ain't never been wrong. Every idea I've ever had has been a good idea. Everything that ever popped into my mind was brilliant. And, and clearly this thing that you call sin, God calls sin, it can't be wrong because that's what I want. That's what I like. And this is what God is saying. He's saying, listen, that sin is going to jump out and jump on you, and you're not even going to recognize it because you're going to think it was a good idea to begin with. You have to watch out that this sin is in you, and it can be hard to see your own sin, which is why God tells us what's right and what's wrong. We have natural tendencies. We all do. Some of those tendencies for a lot of humanity are sexual in nature they we think wrong things and we want to do wrong things and you see our world around us trying to define things as oh it's oh fine it's just fine it's just a choice you make when God has clearly said no, no no that's a sin that's wrong you can't do that that's 
wrong. And we can sit there and say, well, that's just how I was raised, or that's just how I was born, or that's how I feel all the time. You can feel whatever way you want to, and we all feel all kinds of ways, but God says, no, that's sin trying to creep up on you and snatch you. We can also have sins that nobody else, that, 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 rather that, that, that others can't see within us. I might have malice in my heart. <laughs> I know y'all ain't never done this one either. You say something real nice to somebody to their face, but in your mind, you are cursing them up one side and down the other. You're tearing them to shreds in your head, but they can't see it. And you may say, well, just because nobody can see it and I didn't hurt anybody, everything's fine. God said, no, 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 no. That's sin just as much as anything and on to the, more to the point. That stuff will get up and snatch you because you think you're okay because nobody can see it. So we're not supposed to do what comes natural. In fact, we should question the heart that we have because all of our hearts are desperately wicked. And God is pointing out in his word, this is right and this is wrong. Do not, let me just directly judge, or tell you what to do. Do not judge what is right or wrong because of what you want. Because I can tell you, you're going to get that wrong 100% of the time, all the time. You're never going to get that right. If you want it, <laughs> sin is at the door, ready to pounce on you. We need to judge what is right and wrong based on what God has told us. He is lovingly telling us to watch out here. He goes on in, in verse 7 to say that unto thee, the last part of verse 7, and unto thee shall, his, shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. That language, especially in the King James there, might be a little bit hard to understand, but just to compare it, he says a very similar thing when, he, when God is judging Eve after, he, after Eve takes the fruit. He says to Eve, essentially, very similarly, that your desire is going to be to your husband and uh, that he's going to rule over you. It's not necessarily saying that now because of sin, the husband's the boss and the woman's got to listen. That's not what he's saying necessarily. What he is instead saying, because of your sin, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be at odds. And any of you men and ladies, especially if you're married, you understand that there are always going to be conflicts between men and women. Whether you like it or not, that's just the way it is because of, not because she's mean, not because he's hard-headed, but because of sin. That's where that comes from. Same thing going on here. He's saying to, he's saying to Cain, he says, watch out here. Because what you're going to do is you're going to create conflict between you and your brother. He is essentially warning us that sin ruins everything. Sin ruins everything. If we do not address the sin in our heart, it's going to create conflict. It's going to ruin relationships. It is actually going to result, and we know this in verse 8, because Cain goes and kills his brother. It results in irreversible actions. Who among us has not said something that the minute it comes out of our mouth, we say, man, I shouldn't have said that. Who among us hasn't done something in anger and frustration that as soon as we do it, we said, that was stupid. Because that's what sin does. It causes problems. It ruins relationships. It puts a conflict where there wasn't conflict. And that's exactly what happens with Cain and Abel in verse, in verse 8. The minute he has a chance, he's talking with his brother in the field. He says, now's my chance. He's so angry in his heart, he's got to act that out. Now, where was this anger? By the way, where did that anger start? Was it because Cain, or rather Abel, did something to Cain? 
as far as the scripture tells me, no, that's not what happened. It's because Cain got mad at God. But what happened is that sin festers. And God's warning, he says, listen here, you better watch out here because if you keep going and you don't stop, you're going to create a problem that you can't undo. You're going you're to take off a bite that's bigger than you can chew. You're going to take on more than you can handle. And he says that it's going to be hard to see the impact of our sin. And I want y'all to, to think about this for a minute. It is very difficult to see what is going to happen because of some sin. If we get to the place where we agree with God, as, we, as I said in my first point, that, that we're not going to listen to our heart, we're going to listen to God, and we see in black and white, God said, that's a sin. You might sit there and say, well, yeah, no, it's a sin, but I haven't gotten in trouble for it yet, so what, what's, what's the problem? Uh, it's not caused a problem yet, so what, what's wrong? Why, why is this a problem? Because it's sometimes hard to see that that sin is going to cause that problem down the road. And you know when you notice it? When the problem's already there. That's when it shows up. When you've hurt somebody, when you've ruined a relationship, when you've caused damage, when that happens, that's when you know it. Before the sin ever comes to that point, before that bloom ever blossoms, you'd think everything's going to be okay. But that because we can't see the damage that's coming because it's going to come down the road, that's why God warns us and he says, listen, you're going, you're going to have damage if you do this. You're going to cause damage in other people. That's why he warns us about our selfishness, about our gossiping, about our tongues, because those things are easy, easy, easy because of our own, 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 own uh, motivations, our own ambitions to pursue those things and we think nothing of it because it didn't hurt us i didn't get in trouble nobody but not realizing we've caused damage that it's going to come back to haunt us later and god is simply warning us against that go on now to verse nine after he's killed uh, abel in verse eight verse nine the lord comes back to cain and he asks him he says where is abel thy brother he said and cain answers him he says i know not am i my brother's keeper and God comes back to Cain in verse 10. He says, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And then verse 10 and following, he actually curses Cain because of what he's done. But I want to emphasize there for you what he says in verse 10, what God says in verse 10. What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. God is warning here, ultimately he's warning Cain, uh, he's talking to Cain, but I believe by, by extension he's warning us, and we can learn from this, at least we better learn from this, that sin is going to demand a higher price than anybody can ever pay. There's this insatiable desire for revenge that comes. If you listen to what God's saying here, here's Abel's blood literally screaming out for retribution. Well, Abel is innocent. Abel did nothing wrong. And here Cain kills him, in an innocent man. His blood is shed. And here he is, his blood is spilled on the ground. And God is saying, I hear his voice coming to me i hear his blood crying out to me you do know vengeance is mine saith the lord the lord is the one who will repay this is what the bible teaches us this is what the bible tells us he is the one he is the one that is going to mete out vengeance and when he hears the blood of an innocent man crying out there is vengeance from god that's that's going to be coming on top of that just on a human level 
if you do something to me, what, am, what are you going to If you do something to me, what am I going to do back? I'm going to do something to you. That, ain't that, that's just human nature, is it not? And if you do something to me, I mean, this is the Hatfields and McCoys, is it not? You do something to me, I do something to you, and you do something back, and we just do it. And then 10 years down the line, we don't even know why we're fighting, but we hate each other. Because we want revenge. And that's what, that's what sin does. It, it has this insatiable desire for revenge. Even God, when he curses Cain in verses 11 and 12, he gives him this specific curse. I want you to see Cain's response to it in verse 13. He says to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And I, wanna, I, wanna at least, I want you all to at least acknowledge with me, if you would, that no matter what your sin is, if it might be from a human point of view, some small thing or some huge thing, whether it just ruins a relationship or it lands you in jail, whatever the range of things we're talking about, whatever that punishment is, most of the time I can say that that punishment is bigger than I can handle. I feel, I mean, maybe you feel like it's unfair, maybe you feel like it doesn't match the crime, whatever the reasons are, but it's more than you can bear. And on top of that, can I just add this? And I believe that's true in Cain's case, and I believe it's true in most of our cases. There is no way we could ever pay the restitution that's required. Even if, I'll just put it to you this way. There was a crime that was done against my family. And that is actually a true thing. And the courts have made their decision about what they're going to do. And if... They would have said, Matthew, now you can go do what you want to do, get, get your pound of flesh as a result of that. I can guarantee you there would not be enough flesh in this world, money in this world, to make me and my family whole. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of y'all have been victims of things like that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, that even if they could have said, okay, you go, you go get them. <laughs> no rules, you get them, whatever. There's no way that you'll ever be satisfied. And I know that in my own heart that that would never, because of the damage that was done, it was too deep for anybody to ever repay that. Okay? That is true of my sin and your sin. And that is why, because we can never really repay the sin that we have done. We can never pay the damage of it. We can never make restitution for it. We'll never revenge enough for it. That's why God provides salvation through Jesus Christ. Because he says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. The only price we could ever pay is death. And by the way, it was such, sin was so bad. We can't just die once, like let's kill him and he's done. No, no, no. It's eternal damnation in hell. That, it's, it's an eternal payment. We'll never pay that debt off. I mean, you get a mortgage and they, you know, at least they give you 30 years, 15 years, whatever your, your rates are and all that kind of stuff. At least you can pay that thing off eventually. But if your sin, it will never be paid. The wage of sin is death. But the Bible tells me that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I bring up Jesus partly in part, mostly because that's the best news I can give you. But I also want to make the connection here because we have in verse 10... A man's blood crying out from the ground, revenge, God, revenge my innocent blood. 2,000 or 4,000 something years later, there would be a man who would die on a cross named Jesus Christ. 
perfectly innocent in every way, shedding his blood. And the writer of Hebrews says that he, Jesus, his blood would be speaking better things. Instead of Jesus' blood crying out, revenge, revenge, his blood is crying out, peace, eternal life, restitution, we're made right. You know all that debt that Matthew's racked up for all those sins that he's committed? Instead of the blood of, of, uh, uh, the blood of Abel crying out, revenge, revenge, it's the blood of Jesus crying out, he's taken care of, he's one of mine. That's my child, like they sang, he is forgiven. That's what he's crying out. The blood of Jesus covers over that sin. So because of the warnings that God gives, and God does give us warnings. He gave Cain warnings. I don't think he stopped with Cain, by the way. In fact, I'm in chapter 4 of the first book of the Bible. By my counting, there are 65 other books in the Bible. There's about, what is it, 45 more chapters in this, in this book. I mean, there's a whole lot more Bible to go. That's what my point is. A whole lot more Bible to go. And every word on every page points me to Jesus. Every word on every page warns me of sin. Every word on every page points me to the right direction and away from the wrong direction. That's what God is doing. So he is not stopped with Cain by warning. And I want you, church, to listen to me. Listen to his warning. He is being gentle, he is being kind, and he is warning you against your sin. That sin that some of us, no, let me rephrase that, that all of us hold so dearly that we like our sin. And you say, well, Matthew, I, I'm a good Christian. I don't like my sin. You're lying. You don't even, you, if you think you don't like your sin, you're not paying attention. We all like our sin, but what we have to do is not like our sin more than we listen to God. We have to say, God, I don't understand why this is an attraction to me. I don't understand why I want to go in this direction. I don't understand it, but that's where my heart is. But I listen to your word, and I hear you say that's wrong. That's going to cause damage. That's going to hurt me. And it's ultimately going to cause a bigger price than I can ever pay. It's what put my Savior on the cross. So I'm encouraging you, begging with you actually, listen to his warning. Instead of getting your, your, your back, the hair on the back of your neck all up and saying, well, I don't like it. He preached against my sin. I don't like it because I don't, I don't agree with that interpretation. I've heard that. If I've heard that once, I've heard it a hundred times. Well, I interpret that differently so that I don't think that's sin. Well, I, God said it's sin. We've got to take it. We've got to quit ignoring his warning about the sin that's in us. Caring, instead of caring about how I see it, let's listen to how God sees it. Well, some people, I just don't think that's wrong. Well, God said it's wrong. Well, I think everybody else does. I think everybody else talks like that. Well, everybody else is a sinner going to hell. We need to trust Jesus. I, I, I think it's just natural for a man to act that way, to do that way. Yes, I know. That's called sin. It's our sin nature. We need to go against that because God's warning us. Well, that's just how I was made or that's just how I was raised. I understand that, but what does God say? He said it is sin, and we have to watch for it. We have to be careful of it. All of that is to ask you, please, will you listen? Will you learn from what God is telling us? And will we respond in repentance? Put your weapons down. Put, put your arguments down. 
put, 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 put all those things down and stand before a holy and righteous God and say, God, is there any sin in me? Is there some, unwicked way, some wicked way in me? Is there something, maybe, I'll be honest, sometimes I don't even know it's a sin. I don't even recognize it as sin in me. God's got to point that out to me. Maybe there's a brother or sister that needs to point it out to me. Maybe a wife or a husband that needs to point it out to me. But God, would you show it to me? That may be where you are, but would you at least put your weapons down and say, listen, God, I'm just going to listen to you. I want to hear you and trust him as the true and the best. That he's not going to lie to you. He's not going to hurt you. He's doing everything he can to, res uh, to, to redeem you, to save you from your own self. And let the blood of Jesus satisfy the judgment that's due to you. I'm going to, here in just a second, I'm going to give this back over to Brother Jack. I'm going to let you close this service how you want to. But I'm going to invite you this way. I'm going to invite you to respond to the correction of the Lord. I, I, I suspect that there's probably at least two or three of y'all here as I'm talking about sin. There's some of you that just turn me off because you don't like to hear about sin. And that's fine. I can't help you. But there's some of you that listen to me and you're reminded of that sin that besets you. And you know what that is, and it's none of my business. I'm not your priest. You're not going to tell me what it is, but that's between you and the Lord. But you're sitting there, and you're worried about it. You're fretting over it, and you're listening to what I'm saying because that thing that you know is a problem has come up in your mind again. What I'm asking you to do is repent of that sin today and take that to the Lord. And you say, Lord, I may disagree with you on this. I don't understand how am I supposed to get rid of this. This is just how I'm wired, whatever it is that your excuse is. But you're going to trust him to do the work in you. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to come. If, the, if you've never trusted Jesus, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. He'll pay for your sins. He's already paid for your sins. Won't you come to him? Won't you come to him?